Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. You are here for a reason. This news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. When I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul my savior god to
shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration. Woo. How great they all are indeed, Lord. Heavenly Father, I just come before you this morning in adoration. Lord, your greatness is unspeakable in our language. There just are not words to describe you. We have many but Lord, the sum total of them would not even measure. Lord, you are compassionate. You are loving. You are powerful. You are the Almighty. There are no gods above you. Lord, I just put myself and everyone in this community at your feet. Lord, knowing that we are not God, we are imperfect. But with the strong faith that we are saved by your grace, by your goodness, and by your sacrifice, by the spilling of your blood, and by your stripes, Lord. And any man or woman that chooses you with all that is in within them to acknowledge that you are Savior and died for us on the cross. Lord, we are welcomed into your kingdom as family. 
So Lord, I lift up your name. I pray for your words to come out as we continue on in the study of your gospel of Matthew, Lord. I pray the Holy Spirit will speak through me and the Holy Spirit will teach each and every one, including myself, Lord, the meanings behind your scriptures. Lord, if I say anything that is not from you, I pray it falls off the ears of those listening. And Lord, that you would even bring me immediate correction, that I could be humble and admit when I'm wrong. So Father God, I lay all this up for you. And I pray the Holy Spirit shines mightily through each one of us and that we are encouraged by your word to go and to serve. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, thank you for being here, everyone. God bless you. It's been a rough couple days. <laughs> ah, you know, God is good when he tests us. It's through his mercies. And it's through his abundance of grace. Because if everything was always just good, we wouldn't press into the Lord nearly as much as we normally should. And so the Lord lets us experience things. And then he wants to see which way you're going to go with it. How do you respond to testing? How do you respond to adversarial events? Well, Jesus walked on this earth and he gave us a perfect example of how to do it. But we all fall short, every one of us. And, and I'll tell you, um, <laughs> there's a saying, the, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And I think there's some truth to that worldly saying. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big man, and if I fall on my face, it, it generally is going to hurt. <laughs> it's a lot of momentum <laughs> that goes into it. But greater is he that lifts you up. So I just pray for each one of you. I know many of us have been experiencing some stuff in the last couple weeks in particular. But know that God has allowed it all. And it's his goodness to you. Because it's through your experience you learn, not from head knowledge through experience and we're going to see that in the scriptures today god's perfect timing by the way that was a carrie underwood i just love that version of that song uh, yeah 
how great thou art. So I'm not going to read through the entire chapter. I did it last time. This is a long chapter, and to save some time, as I'd like to get through as much of it as possible, uh, I'm just going to read section by section and cover off what uh, what the Lord allows us to do. Uh, I will start with just a couple real important announcements. Well, one real important announcement to you uh, to please take note. Next Sunday, there will be no broadcast. Uh, it is a circumstance that I <laughs> cannot get around. So there will be no broadcast next Sunday. And the following Sunday is iffy. <laughs> iffy. After that, back to regular. But uh, next set Sunday, for sure, no broadcast. The following Sunday after that will be a possibility. So keep that in mind. Also, I just want to thank you all for supporting the show, for those of you who do. Uh, we do have a new donor box, super easy. I've got Podbean, uh, patron system, and uh, and there's also PayPal. Uh, if God puts it on your heart, then well, I pray God blesses you. So we're going to start off in verse 14, and I'm going to read through to verse 17. Then the disciples of John came to him asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the groom cannot mourn as long as the groom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the groom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. Thank you, Lord. Uh, also, the, you're going to find a lot of this chapter is about healing, and we're going to get into some healing uh, verses today. And so it would be remiss of me not to pray for healing. And towards the end of the broadcast, if you uh, want me to prayer to pray and those who are listening to pray for you as well uh i'll ask you to put it in all caps not yet because if you put it in now i won't see it <laughs> guaranteed uh but if you can hold off till towards the end and then put in any prayer requests and i'll get to them at that time so john the baptist is who they're being referred to here in verse 14. And John the Baptist had a ministry of talking about repentance and seeking God, and they would fast. 
And the question is, well, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but you guys don't? And I think the best way to start to look at this is to understand what fasting is. Fasting, biblically speaking, is staying away from food. (laughs) You know, your body needs food and water to stay together. I don't think you should go without water at any point in time. And some people have medical reasons why they shouldn't fast. However, if you are able to fast, it is a good thing to do because what you're saying or what you're demonstrating by fasting is that I'm depending on you, God, for my subsistence. Now, some people will just fast as good dietary practice, and there's nothing wrong with that, but a true fast is to do it to seek God out in much greater depths, to put your body aside and say, Lord, I need to hear from you. Lord, I depend on you fully right now, and I'm putting all things aside that are my substance and saying, I only live because of what you have done. And that's a sacrifice. It's not easy to do. But there is a sacrifice in doing it. And if you do it with your right heart and right intent, God will honor it. And you may fast because you're seeking answers for something. Or you may fast because you need healing for something. Or you may fast for healing in others or for others to come into the kingdom. It might the burden might be so heavy on your heart that you need to fast. Lord, I'm going to fast for this person to come into the kingdom, for them to change their ways, for them to lay down their life. And God honors it. He doesn't guarantee you that you're going to get exactly what you want when you want it. I want to be clear about that. Nowhere in scripture does God say, oh yeah, well, if you do this, I'm going to do it. It's a three-step program, you know, no. But God will honor it when you do it with true intent. And also, the scriptures tell us that sometimes going against demonic attack or if you need to do spiritual battle of any kind, maybe even on behalf of someone else, that uh, more powerful demons require fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. So there's lots of reasons why we need to fast. I know that people have said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to fast. I'm not going to have coffee for a week. Um, Okay, I guess that's a start. It's kind of like T-ball compared to the big leagues, but okay, play T-ball. 
it's something to start, but I don't, it's, it's not my belief that that is a true fast. Now, if you're not able to fast for medical reasons, Lord meets you where you're at in all circumstances. So, you know, we're not under the law. We're in a new covenant. And that's what these verses are saying when we examine them. But just know that we are under the new covenant and it's not under the law. So there isn't a hard set. No, if you must fast, you have to do it for a minimum of this many hours. And if it doesn't hurt, you're not going to get results. I'm not saying that between you and the Lord. So they asked this question, and if you'll remember, I think it was in chapter 6, just a few weeks ago, we talked, uh, Jesus said, and when you fast, you know, don't pull in your cheeks to let everyone know that you're fasting, and you know, oh, I'm suffering for God, you know, uh, and Jesus said, truly, you they've already got the reward. They wanted to show off, they wanted to show how holy they are. There, they got it. Someone said, oh, look at him. He's fasting. There you go. So it's between you and the Lord. It's not about having other people know that you're fasting. Or Now, obviously, if you're married, you live, your family will know you're fasting because you're not joining them for dinner. That's different. That's different. So don't get hung up on these things. But Jesus answered them and said, the attendants of the groom cannot mourn as long as the groom is with them, can they? But when the groom is taken away from them, they will fast. And I find this to be so good. So first of all, understand if you're fasting, you're doing it because you're seeking God. If you're fasting for uh, spiritual purposes, not just a diet sort of thing. You're doing it for spiritual purposes. You're seeking out God. But the men who were following Jesus, they were with God. Could you imagine if they, well, just a second, Jesus, I, I know you're right there, but um, forgive me, you know, I have to, I got to pray uh, for 24 hours to uh, to find an answer to it. When you could say, Hey, Jesus, what about this, <laughs> right? Why would they fast to seek out the face of God when the face of God was right next to them? But I love the fact that he uses the groom. He is the groom of the bride, and he's with them. And the first thing I think of is... You know, when we are brought up and we're with him in heaven, we will be at the banqueting table. We will be there feasting with Jesus. Now, <laughs> just picture this. You've, you've, whatever you died naturally or, or we got raptured or whatever the case is going to be in your life and my life. But we're at the banqueting table, and we're with all the other saints, and Jesus is there. And you were to say, Lord, I love you so much, I'm not going to break bread with you. I'm just going to fast 
and adore you. <laughs> Would that be an insult to the man, <laughs> to one who's provided the dinner to you? <laughs> right. But then he says, but the days will come when the groom is taken away from them. And he was taken away from them. So he's obviously predicting what is happening. And, and what he's doing here when he talks about, uh, but no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment and pulls, they said it'll pull away. And, you know, if you had a, a shirt that you've worn for a few years and it shrunk a couple times, but it still fits you, uh, but it got a tear and you put new cloth on it, well, you know, your shirt's going to shrink and stuff like that, you know, when you do laundry. And if you put it on and that's unshrunk, it's going to rip. So you don't put a, a patch on something. And he's equating this to fasting. Why would you put a patch on? Why would you do this when I'm here? Why would you do something that isn't going to work? And then he talks about, and nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. And he uses this analogy, if you think about just what he's talking about in the physical, is when you ferment wine, there's gases that will expand. <clears throat> and if you use an old wineskin and you put new wine in it, the gases will expand, but the wineskin has already stretched out to its maximum limit. So it's going to burst. You know, water will always find a way or liquid will always find a way to escape. And so it's going to ruin it. It's going to ruin the wine. It's going to ruin the wineskin. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the new covenant. He didn't come to put a new spin on an old system. There's the old covenant and there is the new covenant. Now it is the same God yesterday as today, but the Old Testament talks about the new covenant that's coming and it's not going to be the same as the old covenant. The old covenant was under the law. And Nowhere in scripture does it say, if you keep the law, you'll be saved. <clears throat> it does not say that. It says, if you keep the law, you'll be blessed. But God would save those who he would save. And no one could keep the law. Nobody. Nobody did it. Not one. So there's a new covenant and he's introducing it. And of course, where is the new covenant proclaimed in scriptures? Oh, Misty Rivers ahead of me. She's already got the, uh, already got the answer. I'm just, I was going to ask you to look in the chat, <laughs> put it in the chat. At the last supper, he said, this is the new covenant. This is my body. This is my blood. 
It's the new covenant. We're no longer under the law. Now, Jesus clearly says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Are we supposed to keep his commandments? Yeah, of course. Of course. The law and the commandments are seen by most, especially when, when you look at it from a messianic point of view, they felt it was a way to seek God out and to, and to see eternal life. But God put all the rules and the commandments there, not to save you, but to reveal your sin. And in that way, the law and the commandments are still very valid. Because how would you know what sin was unless God told you what it was? You know, well, the worst sin would be to put another God before God. That's the worst sin. It's the number one commandment. But, you know, in the, in the flesh, we think of a murderer as being, the, you know, the most horrific thing you can do. And, and it is in the flesh. But a murderer can be forgiven. A murderer can repent. Someone who worshipped a false idol can repent. And they can be saved. So he's talking about the new covenant there. Now let's go on to the miracles of healing. While he was saying these things, picking up in verse 18, while he was saying these things to them, behold, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will become alive again. Jesus got up from the table and began to accompany him along with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the border of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will get well. But Jesus turning and seeing her said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. I'll stop there. I'll continue the story about the uh, the daughter, but there's just a lot here to unpack. So a synagogue official comes, and this is this is a bold move, and I think it's very telling that it's a synagogue official. So the synagogue official is the one who basically runs the the synagogue. You know, he's he's an administrator. Important man in the community. Uh, he's not the rabbi, but he's the one who would, you know, uh, make sure that everything was done orderly. And he'd probably be the guy who hired the rabbis and things like that. And so this is a man who was deep in the faith, obviously, uh, in the messianic faith, the the Old Testament faith. 
and he was desperate. And he knew there was something about, and listen, if you have a daughter or a son, a child is dying, you're going to do anything you can to preserve them. And when you look at this story in Luke, um, it's a little bit different uh, just because Matthew is just really to the point where Luke being a physician was a lot more detailed, but Matthew just kind of blurts this, these things out. So when it says my daughter has just died, um, you find out in the, in the gospel of Luke that he didn't say that right here said, my daughter is dying. And it was actually on the way to the house that some people came up and met them in the road and said, now she's died. So she died before Jesus got there. Um, <laughs> Matthew, it's funny. But yet this man has faith and he says, come and lay your hand on her and she will become alive again. And remember the centurion just a, a couple chapters ago where Jesus was astonished by his faith, where the centurion said, just say the word. You don't even have to come to my house. Just say it, and she'll be healed. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. Well, this is a little bit different, but it's. Uh, I think all things are for a purpose. And I, I always ask myself when I'm reading about these things in the scriptures, Jesus healed thousands of people. I, no one knows the number, but I'm sure it was in the thousands. But only so many made it into the Gospels. So I always ask myself, well, what's special about this one? And there's a few things that really jump out to me. So first of all, this man, he came in faith. He says, Jesus, just lay your hand on her and she will live. I know it. I, so he's acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah, obviously. If you just, had, I know she'll live. And Jesus got up, it seems, without hesitation. Oh, okay, let's do this. Now, imagine being this father. And I don't know how far the journey was, but let's say, you know, an hour walk or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There would be some desperation if you're a parent. Let's get there as fast as we can. But on the way, someone else steps in and it's this woman. And this woman had been bleeding. She'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And if you go back and you look at, you know, what it says in, uh, oh, where is it? I think it's in Deuteronomy. That's where most of the laws and rules are. So I'm kind of guessing there, but there, there are scriptures about a woman being unclean when she's bleeding. And for this woman, the detail is left out here, but it's in Mark and Luke. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. So this woman's life is terrible. People can't touch her. They, If they touch her, they are unclean as well. 
if they touch things that she touched, they are unclean. And I think it's safe to say if someone's been losing blood for 12 years, that this woman's probably not full of vigor and strength. And she'd been suffering. She'd been alone. And it says she was saying to herself, if only I touch his cloak. And this is important because she wouldn't want to touch him and making him unclean. But yet there's a desperation that she sought. And I'm going to go out on a whim here, but when it says, or she was saying to herself, uh, she didn't surprise Jesus. Jesus knew she was coming. I think, and this is just me going out on a limb here, there was that still, small voice in her head. And it was probably God saying, go find Jesus, touch his clothing, and you'll be healed. And if you look in, in Luke and that she had tried doctors and everything, she, nothing was healing her. So out of desperation, she went. And you have to remember, Jesus is surrounded at this point with a whole bunch of people, not just his disciples. And for her to get close enough to Jesus, she would have to navigate through that crowd. And she didn't want to be seen. Because, first of all, she could be stoned for doing this. Imagine how many people she might have bumped through just to get to Jesus, making them all unclean. These were not kind days, folks. She took a huge risk. She risked everything. Wow. Wow, how much are you willing to risk to get close to Jesus? <laughs> that question just came into my own personal head, so I spewed it out to you. Uh, but it's also a question for me. And, uh, well, I would think about that one before I would say my answer publicly. Now, it doesn't say it here, but Jesus also says, who is it that touched me? And then after the rest of the people in the crowd, hey, I didn't touch you. I didn't touch you. I didn't touch you. And Jesus said, no, no, someone touched me. Power went out from me. And the lady, knowing that Jesus knew, went before him and confessed all these things. And Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once, she was well. So why did this story make it in there? Well, there's a desperation. 
This is something that no man could have cured. She was willing to risk it all just to touch his garment. And she was healed instantly. And Jesus called her daughter. Daughter. Take courage. Your faith has made you well. Now back to the father and the, <laughs> the daughter. And just picture the, the, the father there. Okay, you know, I, this woman's important. I get it. But uh, can we get a move on here? <laughs> but the girl had already died before they reached the house. And they were informed that the daughter had died. But the father still believed and still brought Jesus to his home. And I'm going to pick up in verse 23. When Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, he said, leave, for the girl has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand and the girl got up. And this news spread throughout the land. So there's a whole bunch of people in there. And I was troubled by the part that they said that said they laughed at him. So I, I looked up some Bible commentary on this. And I don't have the biblical proof. I'm just taking a teacher's name that I, I trust uh, in this. And what was said was that... In these days, they would hire professional mourners because it was a way of honoring and it was kind of a way of announcing to the neighbors that there had been a passing because there would be this loud noise coming. So there was paid flute players and paid mourners and then the family there uh, because the family, the people who were suffering the loss, they would not have laughed at Jesus. They would have put, oh, hey, listen, if you say it, please, 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 they would beg him. But the scoffers scoffed. And they were there, and obviously she had been dead for a little while, which means, you know, that there was some distance that they had to walk because they already had time to assemble the flute players and the mourners that are in the home. And they mocked Jesus when he said, no, she's just asleep. But he ordered the crowd out and they obeyed, probably because the owners of the house said, get out, get out. This man says he's going to bring my daughter back. Get out of my house. I don't care if you've been paid. Get out. As a parent or a loved one would. And Jesus went in there. He took her by the hand. And he told her to get up. And she got up. And in the other Gospels, it said, you know, give her some food, you know, take care of her. She's going to need to recover a little bit, but uh, she's back. 
and the news spread throughout the land. So here we have Jesus is teaching. He's proclaiming. He's healing. And he's resurrecting the dead. Well, you know what? We might even get through this chapter. Hallelujah. Yeah, I think we will. Picking up in verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two men who were blind followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And after he entered the house, the men who were blind came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done for you according to your faith. And there were eyes opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout the land. Again, I ask, why did this story make it into the Bible? How many people did Jesus resurrect from the dead? Is that not greater than just returning sight to the blind? Why wouldn't it be just all resurrection stories? How many people did he raise from the dead? We know of a few. But these two men who were blind, can you meet can you imagine being blind and trying to follow after a guy? <laughs> Perhaps they had some friends, you know, helping them, but or they're just going by the sound of the crowd and they've got a cane out in front of them and they're navigating, but they're yelling, Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy. So there's a couple interesting things here. Have mercy on us, son of David, they're yelling. It's interesting to me that the Bible and that, that these men, and first of all, you know, it, the Old Testament says when the when the Messiah comes, he will heal the sick. He'll return sight to the blind. So Jesus is fulfilling prophecies in these things. Understand that. He's fulfilling prophecy because he returns sight to the blind. But when they say mercy, what is mercy? What is mercy? It's getting something you don't deserve. If you were at war and I'll just use a sword fight and you've been wounded and the opposing soldier is there and you know it's the end, you might say, have mercy on me. I have a family. You have victory. 
have mercy on me. Spare my life. You don't deserve it. You were trying to kill him. You wouldn't say, stop. You know, you can't do this to me because I am a great warrior. And you might have won this time, but if I see you on the battlefield again, I'll surely, you wouldn't say that. They're saying, we don't deserve this. But when they say son of David, they knew the scriptures and they're acknowledging that he is the Messiah. So they're saying, Messiah, we don't deserve this, but we ask anyways. And we don't know how long these men were blind, maybe from birth, maybe more recently. We don't know, but they knew the scripture. And as a blind person, you'd have to be reliant on other people to read it to you. Probably dedicated to finding out these things. And they knew enough to be humbled before God and to say, have mercy. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Again, acknowledging he was the Messiah. And Jesus said, it shall be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. Now we constantly hear this thing about your faith. Is it possible to be healed without having a strong faith? Yes. Yes, and don't let anyone else tell you different. Why? Because we just learned with the blind men that God is merciful. However, if you are desiring something and you're reaching out in prayer and maybe even fasting, Jesus is likely to acknowledge your faith. Because Jesus said, if you have, if you believe, as, if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. The tree will uproot and plant itself over there. If you would just believe, all things are possible through Jesus Christ. And when we pray, if we truly believe, Well, let me, we don't have enough words and I, and I don't have all the answers. I'm highly unqualified to do this. I just put in time. Teaching is, you know, maybe I have a little bit of a gift for teaching, but it's not my strongest gift. That's for sure. But I know sometimes when I pray, and people ask me to pray for them. 
sometimes when they ask me to pray, I'm praying, I'm going to say the words that you asked me to say, but I'm not really believing that it's going to happen. And, and that's on me. Does that mean that God won't answer that prayer? No, doesn't mean it at all. But I think sometimes it's because of the Holy Spirit in us. And when we pray to the Lord, oh, oftentimes when we pray to the Lord, let's say we're asking for healing. Lord, I pray for this person or I pray for myself that you will heal this thing, Lord, so that I'll be able to go out and serve you or whatever it is. But sometimes we not only ask, but we tell the Lord how we want him to answer our prayer. <laughs> God will answer your prayer but he might not do it the way you want him to. He knows better. So if someone was without a, without their left arm and someone asked me, hey, could you pray that God would grow back my left arm? Can God do it? Yes, <laughs> of course he can. But I, me standing there, um, my faith might not be that strong. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask the Lord. Knowing that he can do it. Knowing he can do it. And maybe, maybe God would give me the faith because the Holy Spirit says, just pray. Pray, Jeff. It's going to happen right now. You're going to see it happen with your eyes. And yes, God can do it today. He is not done doing miracles. But in my flesh, I have a hard time believing it. But if the Holy Spirit prompts up and he says, Lord, I ask that you restore that person's arm. And then all of a sudden it starts growing out and he's got fingers and he made maybe even fingernails that need to be cut. <laughs> Just like the dry land when he parted the seas. Like it was one thing to part the seas. They could have been traversing through mud. No, he dried the land. God can do these things. But what is our salvation? What is our relationship based upon? It's based upon faith. So when Jesus says, because of your faith, you've been healed, Jesus is asking us to believe. Believe that he is God Believe he hears our prayers because he hears all of your thoughts. He's going to hear your prayer too. And believe that he is a merciful God and he knows what he's doing. And sometimes we have to press in. Sometimes we have to keep praying for things. There are certain things that I will continuously pray over every time. I'm always praying for my family and, and things like that. Always. I'm always praying for you guys, actually, for everyone in this community. Not every one of you can I name personally, but a lot of you I can. A lot. 
and I lift you up in prayer. And I believe my prayer will be answered. I do. I really do believe it. And so just finishing off with the uh, with the blind men. <laughs> and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout the land. <laughs> Why would Jesus tell them not to say anything? Probably, and he knew they would. There was no surprise to God. And I don't think he's con I don't think he condemned them, but he gave a stern commandment. Don't do this. And they couldn't help themselves. But what does that go to show you? Show us. No matter how much God has done for us, we still walk in disobedience. <laughs> We still walk in disobedience. How could they not say anything? Uh, you know, hey, Jeff, you were blind yesterday. I see you're reading the paper today. Um, <laughs> what happened? Oh, nothing. You couldn't do it. Right? But each one of us still walks in disobedience. And I'm not justifying it. The more we get close to Jesus, the more we press into his word, the more you know his word, the more you pray to him, and the more you're in community with other believers, the stronger your faith is, the more you will walk in obedience. It's practicing your faith. You want to get good at walking with the Lord? Practice it. Verse 32, and as they were going out, behold, a demon-possessed man who was unable to speak was brought to him, and after the demon was cast out, the man who was previously unable to speak talked. And the crowds were amazed, and they were saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, he casts out demons by the ruler of demons. So again, like, you know, I, I've been studying this chapter for a few weeks now, and I had to go to some other Bible commentaries to get some answers on this because I was not able to find answers. We, I know about, you know, casting out of demons. That's, you know, Jesus did that all the time, and again, he did this to fulfill prophetic words, to fulfill, because the Messiah had to fulfill all prophetic words. If he missed one, he isn't God, right? He fulfilled every prophetic word about the coming Messiah. And what I learned, and I suspect it's true, is... In old times, people were demon-possessed, and, you know, they would pray to God, and they would cast out demons. 
But one of the things is, and this is what I found interesting, especially in the light of what is happening today. One of the things that they would do was they would always ask the person who's possessed or the demon that's in them, what is your name? And by getting this, the demon to confess its name was letting it be under the authority of God. And then they were able to call it out by name and, and to cast it out. That was their belief. Now, I, I happen to agree with the teacher that I was looking at and, uh, that's not necessary at all. <laughs> Uh, that's a very messianic way of looking at it. And today uh, we see, you know, there's that movie come out in Jesus name and, you know, they're all, what's the name? What's your name, demon? Um, I don't think you should talk to demons. Personally, why would you have a conversation with a demon? No, you've just, you surround the person in faith. If you can talk to the person and not the demon, you ask them if their will, if they will to be free from this. And if they say yes, it's going to be a home run. That's my experience. And then you say, Jesus, this person is begging to have their life back and having this demon out of them. Lord Jesus, I ask that you remove this demon from them. And I'm, Jesus will do it right then and there. I can't promise it, but that's the track record. Jesus doesn't like demons in his people, in, in any people. Demons were not supposed to leave their domain, and we are his creation. Now, if you are saved, you cannot have a demon in you. They can torment you, absolutely. They can whisper in your ear. They can test you. They can do all kinds of things. They cannot possess you. They cannot dwell where the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. But Jesus doesn't want anyone to be a host of a demon. And especially if that person wants to be free and they're surrounded with believers, I, I fully believe that God will do it right then and there. That's something that God is still doing today. And so when they say they had, they've never seen anything like this in Israel, it's because this was a tricky situation. No one could deliver this man because he couldn't speak out the name of the demon in him. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> Funny. If that is correct, and I just lay that at your feet, maybe some of you know the answer better than I do about this. I, I don't have all the answers, folks. I do my best to learn these things before I come in here, but I have to tell you when I'm improvising. And so that's why they say he casts out demons by the ruler of demons, because God couldn't have done it. The demon didn't proclaim its name. They thought this man was just doomed. I'm just seeing if I'm being corrected. <laughs> I did ask if I, uh, for immediate correction, if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. All right. I don't see any immediate rebukes. <laughs> if if I got something really bad there, just write in capitals rebuke and then tell me what I said wrong. Let me uh, just finish up on these 
verses here, uh, starting from verse 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So there's a couple things. Obviously, Jesus was going about. We know about that. But there's a couple key words here. He was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. But what is the difference between teaching and preaching? Because that's what proclaiming is. If someone says, well, I'm a preacher of the Lord. Well, they proclaim the Lord. The different, and, and I'm going to pick on the church right now. I got to do it. And I've said this multiple times on this program. Most churches that I have seen, the pastor of the church puts together a few scriptures, not always in context. It's usually just you picking the scriptures that they want to put together to prove their point that they want to make that day. And it's clever. It's usually very clever. So, you know, I'll take, I'm going to read from Isaiah 41 and, and then in Philippians, it says this, and therefore your God is your God. Hallelujah. And you feel great. And preacher, whoa, you did a good job, preacher. You know what? Everyone is called to be a preacher. Everyone, each one of you is called to be a preacher. You're called to proclaim the word of God. Everyone is called to do that. But to be qualified as a pastor, you need to be a teacher. What's a good example I can give? Okay, so I was a guitar player and a pretty good one at that. And if you wanted to play guitar as well, and, you know, myself being experienced, understanding some music, you came to me. And you brought your guitar, and I got my guitar, and I showed you a couple really quick riffs, and wow, that's great. I want to do that, you're thinking. And I said to you, hold that guitar. Get a little bit loose. You've got this. You can do it. Just be like all those other ones and let the music go out. Start picturing yourself in front of that big crowd 
and everyone cheering for you and amazed at all the beautiful things you can do on that guitar. Go out and do it. You can't. Just because I proclaimed the greatness of your potential ability doesn't mean you can do it. You need to be trained. You need to be taught how to do it, and you need to practice it. So this is why I come against churches that just have preaching. Because people who go in and they get these feel-good preachers that don't teach the word, they just put together a few verses that, you know, think they, they, they can make go together. Because you can cherry-pick a scripture and make it say whatever you want it to say and then combine it with another one. And someone who doesn't know the Bible is going to say, wow, he knows the Bible. That was good. That fit together perfectly. Man, I understand it. God is great. And then you go out and you try to live your life and the adversary comes against you and you have no idea what to do because you have not been taught and you have not been trained. Name one of these mega churches that does teaching. It's probably a couple. They probably mix in some teaching. But, uh, well, I won't name names, but you know there's some big teacher or preachers out there that really don't teach anything. So a lot of them are on TV. <laughs> they don't teach, they preach. And we're called to preach. There's nothing wrong with that. But you need to be taught. You know what? I, I said I wasn't going to name names, but when we're talking about all the things that are in this chapter, and, and a question I get quite a bit, particularly since I started exposing the NAR stuff and and the Word of Faith and the Kenneth Copelands and the Benny Hins and all that stuff, I get asked all the time, well, can God still show up there? And I, and I may have caused some confusion because I've exposed how the Kundalini spirit sometimes manifests in these environments and things like that. And it's provably not the Holy Spirit. It's provably Kundalini. But you know what? When someone goes to one of those places, and even though it could be a wicked man or woman up there preaching, You went there in faith, seeking God and not the man. If you went to a Benny Hinn service saying, Benny Hinn can heal me, you're probably not going to be healed. But if you thought to yourself, if I just go there, the Lord can heal me. The Lord can still reach into those circumstances. There's nothing that can keep the Lord out. So have there been legitimate healings at some of these apostate churches? Absolutely. 
God is merciful on his people. And I and I I don't want to but, but no, I feel confident in saying it. They weren't seeking it out from the person as the person who was the one who was given the healing. They knew God was the one doing the healing. I would say that someone who went there seeking William Branham to be the healer or or Benny Hinn to be the healer, they didn't get healed. I'll be bold to say that. I truly believe it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I will go out on a limb there. So there's a difference between teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the heal kingdom. And he healed all, healing every disease and every sickness. So there was nothing that was too big for Jesus. Just finishing up here. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them. They were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Well, who are the workers? Jesus is telling you to plead to the Lord for more workers to bring in his people. There's no mistake that these verses follow the ones just previous. There might have been lots of people proclaiming Jesus in the land or proclaiming the coming of Messiah or whatever, but if people weren't taught the word, and taught takes time, and everyone needs a teacher. Look, I just, I've admitted to you several times just in this chapter, I'm, I'm studying the Bible on my own. I can't find all the answers. I, I don't have the Bible memorized. I, you know, I seek out things and I need to be taught. So there's a, there's a number of people and it depends on the types of verses. I think some people are really strong in them and I'll go to them and I trust what they say about those things. But I pray I have enough integrity to say to you, look, I I can't make the full Bible case. And, you know, because of the way we do these studies, I don't want to do biblical gymnastics. Uh, it would just take way too long. I'd get through two verses and, and 15 verses supporting those two verses. So that's why we do it this way. But Jesus is saying to you that we need to pray for more workers. Not everyone can be a teacher. Not everyone has that gifting. There is a certain amount of gifting that someone has to have to be a teacher. Not everyone is called to be a teacher. All of us are called to be preachers, but not everyone a teacher. He says the workers are few, and we need to pray to God to bring put more workers in the field. I pray to God that we'll have more workers just in this community. You know how many people there are just in the right-on community that need the touch of someone to hold their hand and help disciple them up? 
I can't meet with thousands of people. Not that I'm qualified or I'd be your first choice anyways, but I am a worker in the field. You can decide your merit, my merits or not. It doesn't matter. I'm a worker in the field. But we need more. And we need more right in this community. You need more where you live as well. And Jesus is, he said to his disciples, are you a disciple of Christ? Yes, you are. The harvest is plentiful. <laughs> Excuse me. When he says the harvest is plentiful, it's not talking about this great harvest that people have manipulated the scriptures, myself in the past as well. I've admitted it fully on here. What this means is there's a lot of people unsaved that need to be brought in. And, you know, if someone just hears the word, of, hey, hey, do you believe in Jesus? No, don't have time. A lot of people are going to do that. But some people will have time, and there's not enough workers to deal with those people that would have time for God. So we need to plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into his harvest. Hallelujah. Uh, okay, put in put in your prayers. I should have said that a couple minutes ago. Uh, if you can, uh, if you have a prayer request, I'll be glad to to pray with you today. And by the way, just speaking of, uh, and I'll just kill a minute or two while, yeah, put it in all caps. Thank you, uh, Misty River. Um, I have some gifting for teaching. I know that. But I'm, but it's not my strongest gift. I also know that. Can I operate in it? Yeah, to some degree. And sometimes I end up preaching, and that's more when I get passionate about something, and I just start proclaiming it. Um, and I feel the Holy Spirit come up in me. Like when I did when I was talking about the problem with the churches, I'm passionate about it because I see people who want to know the Lord who just aren't getting the practical training. Uh, we can also take your testimonies as well, especially if they're testimonies from prayers uh, previously from the community. Um, well, I'm going to put out a prayer request, and I'm going to ask that you pray for this as well. Um, I've already been praying on it quite a bit. Uh, I do have a, uh, a young man coming to my house later that, uh, I loved his father. I really loved his father. And when I was at the Super Bowl, he, uh, he said, you know, my dad really respected you. And he goes, I want to come to your house and, uh, and I want to get some of your wisdom. Because I had prayed when I went to the Super Bowl that I'd go there with humility and just a gentleness and stuff like that. And the Lord granted my wish because that's maybe outside of my normal personality. And, and, it, and it was received. So uh, he's going to come over. Now he wants to, he wants to have beer with me and discuss these things. So there's that. <laughs> but I will... Uh, maintain 100% control, I can guarantee you. Um, so pray for that young man. His name is Luke. And uh, 
also uh, probably not as in, as important, but just on a personal note, the Lord has been really kind of talking to me about changing things up on right on radio for uh, for probably about a year. And if you've been with me for a while, you know that I'm thick-headed. <laughs> and it takes a while to penetrate. But I also think it's he starts preparing to do some change. And change is not easy, especially when something has become tradition. And uh, there may be a fairly substantial change in what right on radio does coming in the future and uh, some of you are probably going to be upset by it i will say this um you know it's nothing to do with uh, turning away from faith or anything like that the sunday shows will continue uh but i'm working out some of the things that i i believe the Lord is bringing me to, and it's, it's uncomfortable for me. I'll just put that out there. It's very uncomfortable, but I, I think change is coming in a, in a much shorter term than, uh, than I would have expected. But on Friday, the Lord really started hammering this into me. And, and again, yesterday and, and this morning when I was reading, actually, reading about the the fasting part um i'll just tell you what spurred it when uh when the disciples of john came to him asking why do we in the pharisees fast well they fasted well the pharisees in particular they, they would fast, you know, a couple times a week because it was just their thing. We fast, we're Pharisees, you know, and, and disciples of John would fast for different reasons, more biblical reasons, of course. But when they asked it, it's because there's a tradition of fasting for thousands of years. And I think that the way that right on radio has been operating has really kind of become tradition and routine. You know, don't get me wrong. No matter what's happening like this morning, I really felt some spiritual warfare. Um, sometimes it isn't easy to get up behind the mic and it's not just on a Sunday on a Tuesday or a Thursday or even a Friday. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what's going on in my head, but I still show up for work. No matter what's going on, no matter what kind of a crappy week I'm having, and I'm not saying this to elevate myself, I'm, I'm making a point here. I will still step up and do what I need to do and come up with original content, you know, I've gone over 800 shows in total and, you know, some of it was military analyst where I wasn't doing the content, but you get it. Most of the time I have original content that I thoughtfully put together. Is every show a smash hit? No, <laughs> no, but I put out a lot of content and I work hard on it. 
And in the last year, it's gone to more of a teaching format, which again, is not my strongest suit. And so I ask, am I uh, operating out of tradition? Because people expect a show Tuesday at 7 o'clock. People expect a show Thursday at 7 o'clock. People expect a show Friday, 9 a.m. People expect a show Sunday at 10. And, and the Sunday one is precious to me. That's off the table for change. Well, maybe the format will change, but I plan on continuing this fellowship. And uh, quite honestly, I get more out of it than probably any of you. So I do it for my personal sanity, um, very selfishly. But have I put things into a box of tradition? It's a legitimate question. And so if you would pray for me in that the Lord speaks clearly to me, I I, I think he already has. I could, it could be more clear, trust me. Um. Or maybe just be sure that I should change and then just step out in faith and open up my mouth and see what happens. So I would very much appreciate that. Okay. So I got a one prayer request and you know what? That was brilliantly stated and I'm just going to read it. I won't read your name. Um, but it says, we all need prayer, some unspoken. I need prayer. Come Lord Jesus. That is a righteous prayer. And some things we don't need the background on because the Lord knows. And some things would not be edifying and maybe, maybe it is edifying, but in this case, it's unspoken and the Lord will honor that, and I will honor that. I'm going to make it specifically for the person who wrote that. I want to be sure to let you know that. But I'm also going to generalize the prayer because it's true in each of our lives. There's a little hidden closet that we all keep, I think. I think, I don't know, maybe not all of us, but there's certainly some things that I keep hidden away that I won't even speak to my wife because I'm ashamed. And it could be a number of other things, but I'm just saying we all have things that are unspoken for whatever reason. So if you would join me in praying, Heavenly Father, I. Thank you for the person who put that out there. And Lord, I, I thank you for the wisdom that was given in the way the prayer request was presented. And Lord, I do ask it for that specific person, that specific need. And Lord, that you would specifically answer the prayer in the way that God sees most fit. But Lord, I thank you for the wisdom and I thank you for the Holy Spirit directing that even. Lord, because it's a detail that many of us don't talk about. 
that there are things unspoken in each of our lives. Lord, we know that we cannot keep these things secret from you. And we ask that your light comes right into our lives and shines that light right on the problem, Lord, and exposes it in our lives. And Lord, when we can admit it, when we can see it ourselves, then we can begin in our will and our love for you, because if it's not of you, we want to change it. But Lord, we have to admit it. We have to have our will first and foremost and our intention. Lord, you can do all things, but you ask us to come to you in faith and for us to ask and for us to believe. So for each one that hears the sound of my voice, including myself, Lord, for those things unspoken, we pray for healing. We pray for clarity. We pray your will be done in our lives as it would be done in heaven where there is no sin, where there is no weeping, where there is no doubt. Jesus, make your way into the depths of our hearts. I ask that personally, and I pray that each one listening asks the same thing. In the name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks, everyone, for being here. May God bless each one of you. And uh, remember to be loved. And to be loved is to know that he loved you first. Be loved. And by that, be blessed. Be the Berean for your own protection so that you know the word of God on your own. And then simply, just as the scripture said to us today, because of your faith, simply believe. Blessings, everyone. I'll see you on Tuesday, Lord permitting. <laughs>